1: Today on the ZabeCast, what have I told you? Every player on every NFL team was suddenly available. How would a hypothetical all-team expansion draft look? And would it be awesome or super awesome if we did it? Ron Thomas joins me to talk golf, life, Indy 500 and more, plus your Rona Roundup with a stunning admission from the... Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go!
0: Here we go! Tuesday, June 9,
1: 2020. Thank you for joining me. Well, the owners have come back to the players in baseball with the following offer. After the first offer which was 82 games at a sliding scale that approximated about 33% of what players on paper were due to be owed. Then, after 50 games at prorated pay, that turned out to be about 33% of what players would have gotten paid. And now the third offering from the owners, at least, on a season is 76 games at 75% prorated pay, which equals about 33% of what they were going to make. It all keeps coming back to the same place. Baseball keeps making the same offer in different forms. However, as someone put it pithily on Twitter, you have to give credit to Major League Baseball for conceding from their initial offer of six of one, and now offering half a dozen of the other. I would say, Grover, we are still far from a deal. This
0: is near.
1: Which we are not. This
0: is far!
1: Thank you, Grover. ESPN did something I've talked about for years now, which is a hypothetical expansion draft in the NFL. All players released from contracts, and... Names put it, you know. Teams put into a hat, you shake them up, pull them out. There's the order. Who would get picked where? You have to account for a lot of factors, not only age, but injury history, positional importance, etc., etc. Obviously, quarterbacks would go first, but after that, how quickly would teams move off of the top tier quarterbacks to someone else? And give it a hypothetical: you've got this player for three years or maybe five years depending on how long of a time frame you'd like to make. ESPN's panel, which was part of their NFL Live crew, and I didn't get the names of who was on this, they did this. They, they did a draft on this. And using this year's draft order, the hypothetical expansion draft would have Patrick Mahomes go 1-1 to Cincinnati. No shock there. Russell Wilson second to the Redskins. And then Lamar Jackson, number three, to Detroit. Lamar, probably the more devastating impact player last year, but our team's going to figure him out just a bit next season. Then Deshaun Watson to the Giants at four. Aaron Donald, the first non-quarterback at five, to Miami. Ronnie Stanley, the O tackle, to the Chargers at six. Then Joey Bosa to Carolina. Drew Brees to Arizona at 8, which is ridiculous because he's a one-year guy. And then you've got Dak Prescott to Jacksonville too high. Nick Bosa to Cleveland too low. Carson Wentz to the Jets too low. Aaron Rodgers to Vegas at 12, way too low. Joe Burrow to Indy at 13. Too much of a roll of the dice. He's an unproven commodity. Tampa Bay at 14, taking Tom Brady. That one is just stupid because... Oh, he's already there, and he's a one-year rental like Breeze. Denver taking Drew Locke at 15. Get the fuck out of here. They already got Drew Locke, and total unproven prospect. I mean, a good half of a season, basically, last year, and that's it. Atlanta taking Matt Ryan. I don't know why why they had these teams taking their old players, but okay, whatever. I guess there is value in that because you don't have to teach the guy the system again. Kyler Murray to Dallas at 17. Teddy Bridgewater, 18 to Pittsburgh. No fucking way. Jimmy Garoppolo to Chicago at 19. Christian McCaffrey to the Rams at 20. Baker Mayfield to at 21 to Philly. Way too high. Michael Thomas to Buffalo at 22. Way too low. Sam Darnold to New England at 23. I don't see it. Khalil Mack to New Orleans at 24. And then Ryan Tannehill, too high. DeAndre Hopkins too low, Mike Evans to Seattle, eh. Matt Stafford to Baltimore at 28, Tyree Kill to Tennessee, Tua Tungavailoa to the Packers at 30, George Kittle back to the Niners at 31, and Stephon Gilmore at 32. There's an interesting discussion to have about all of this. If teams had to assess, well, we like this guy in our system and we know what he's about, so if he's available, let's go ahead and take him again. I think there's too much reaches in here in terms of quarterbacks that you think are going to be good. You don't have to draft a Bridgewater in a hypothetical expansion draft 18. Pittsburgh would be would be way better off taking a Michael Thomas or a DeAndre Hopkins or even a Tyreek Hill and then backfilling with a similar caliber quarterback in the second round. Either way, can you imagine how awesome the NFL would be if it was like fantasy football and every player? was available to be redrafted, that there were two drafts, there was a rookie draft, and there was a expansion draft. Instead of free agency, an expansion draft every year. The players would hate it because they want to put down roots in a city, and they want to build their brand and get identified with where they're at and do good works in the community like Drew Brees, and then have all that forgotten the instant you say one thing that is one inch out of line from the current political correctness. Right, Drew Brees? <laughs> but, um... It would be so much fun because your team every year would have a chance at getting somebody awesome. And, yeah, I know, coach and system, coach and system, coach and system. It takes years to build that up. I'd still like to see it, though. It would make the league fun. And, yeah, you'd sell a lot of jerseys. Every year, if your favorite player is Lamar Jackson, guess what? He's probably going to a different team. And look, these guys can live in whatever city they want to live. They just have to go work in their NFL city for five months out of the year. It's not that hard. I say let's do it. Absolutely. Okay, couple of things before we get to Ronnie. Uh, and I'll save the Jim Nance story for later. I'm scrolling up here to make sure I'm not missing something. That was the same. Uh, this one. God, boy, I got to get this tab system down because it's not quite what I thought. Oh, yeah. Major League Baseball is finally admitting Angel Hernandez is a terrible umpire. This story by Ryan Phillips in the big lead. Apparently, Major League Baseball was doing an investigation into just how horseshit bad Angel Hernandez is and was as an umpire and continues to be. And apparently, Hernandez was eavesdropping on the investigation into his Conduct. This according to a story by Daniel Kaplan in The Athletic. On July twenty fourth, 2017, there was confusion and a 14-minute delay in a game involving the Rays and the Red Sox. The problem came when the Rays moved pitcher Adam Kolarik to first base. When the pitcher moves to a defensive position, the team moving him loses its DH. Apparently, Hernandez had to be reminded of that rule by his crew, and he screwed up another ruling concerning the batting order. Obviously, after that embarrassing screw-up, MLB launched an investigation. It interviewed all members of the umpire and crew separately via telephone. When it came time for Hernandez to hang up, and for fellow umpire Ed Hickox to be interviewed, Hernandez allegedly didn't hang up, and instead listened in after expressly being told not to. If this wasn't more reason to fire this dick, I have no idea why they don't probably can't because of the union. Headline Jeff Bezos would now be worth 200 billion dollars if he hadn't divorced. Yeah, but he's a lot happier and he's got a lot sportier girlfriend. Yes, he cut a check to his ex by a whole, for a whole lot of money, MacKenzie Bezos. Um let's see. Bezos gave her uh his divorce settlement Saw her walk away with nearly 20 million shares of Amazon, which at the time were valued at $38 billion. A report last month projected Bezos would be on track to become the world's first trillionaire by 2026. The world's top billionaires have added more than $420 billion to their net worth since the start of the pandemic. Wow. The rich are getting richer. Stock market up 9,000 points since the low water mark in March. Amazing. Good thing I listened to my uh, financial advisor who said, it's going to be rocky, but you just got to hang in there. And there were times in which I said, God damn it. What the fuck didn't you tell me that, that this would be the... We need to sell shit. Sell, sell, sell. Good thing I, uh, I listened to him. Probably should have bought more. Didn't have the balls to do it. Oh, well. Next pandemic, right? Let's talk to my man, Ron. <laughs> Thomas he's got some stuff on Indy and more hello Steven ladies and gentlemen the master of the dove hook according (laughs) to our friend Bryant Hatcher not the duck hook the dove hook d-o-v-e man (laughs) Ronnie you hit that what is he does he call you Ronnie Yep. Ronnie, you dove hit, that, hook. hit that dove. Thomas. He, Thomas. He calls right. me Thomas. Thomas, yeah, Thomas, you hit that dove hook. Hatch is <laughs> one of the invaluable characters on our golf trip to Pinehurst, where, you know, the day he doesn't come is a sad day because he adds such flavor to the event, doesn't he? Totally.
2: He'll always be there.
1: Yeah. We call him Tidwell. Uh, we call him Tidwell. He played uh, football at Cincinnati, played briefly in the Canadian Football League. He's got a chirpy, cocky attitude, sort of like Rod Tidwell. But the great thing about Hatch as a golfer is never gets mad. He has the best doesn't give a fuck for the most part about golf I've ever seen. Wouldn't you
2: agree? He really does. He uh, you know, it's funny. He's the only brother on the trip, which I love and I admire a great deal.
1: I wouldn't mind he, uh, more brothers, you know, oh, uh, totally, all brothers totally. in arms, you know, but yeah, we'll take more. But he, <laughs> he is the he is the one. And I keep threatening to go on his golf trip where I say, can I be the token white guy on the trip? And he laughs. <laughs> he goes, there's plenty of white guys, but there are more brothers on the trip. I'm like, I want in on that trip. Oh yeah, you know what's funny
2: also is I had a talk with Chick Hernandez. I played golf with Chick a couple of weeks ago. How is? And he asked Chick? about the. Yeah, you know, he's well. He's well. He wants to come on our golf show a lot, and he wants to come on your podcast. Okay. But I um I talked to him about the Piners trip, and I he said who went. And I told him Hatcher was there. He reiterated the story about Rocky Gap,
1: the playoff. Okay, so here's the story: <laughs> Potomac Cup golf tournament. This was two thousand two or three, early on. And it's Maryland versus Virginia amateur event. It's a competitive event. You have to qualify to be in it. You know, you're playing for your state. You're playing for pride. We're playing Rocky Gap Golf Course in Western Maryland. It has a hole, number 15, which I think is one of the great weird holes I've ever seen in my life. It goes straight uphill, par 5. It's tucked against I-70 as the trucks come steaming down this steep incline, and they hit their air brakes. There's a huge, a 30-foot hill of nothing but jungle grass and kudzu and death. You know, you couldn't find your ball in there if you were a lassie, and it was a ball (laughs) wrapped in bacon, okay? So it's death to the right, 30-foot wall of shit straight up to the highway. And on the left side of the hole is a drainage channel about 10 feet deep with large boulders in it and weeds all over the place, which... I forgot what we na- I named the hazard. It was something vagina because it was like mm-hmm. a big old nasty wound. And if you hit it left, it also was dead. Now, the hole starts somewhat wide and narrows the further uphill it goes. All right? if I done a good job of describing it yes, so far? Yes,
2: perfect. Keep going.
1: Okay, so it's par five. So you could hit driver, but you better be have steady nerves. Well, uh, it's Hatcher versus Chick Hernandez. And uh, Hatcher hits one left into the Devil's Vulva, hits one right into the gunch up the hillside, and finally hits one into play. So he's hitting one, two, three, four. He's, he's lying five. Yes. Lying five in the fairway. Well, Chick then plinks one into play just with a, a five iron. He he's hit like, a five iron. That's yeah. what he
2: said. Plink. He almost missed it, he said. Just a little toe job out <laughs> into the middle. Like a 120-yard five iron.
1: Didn't matter. Plinks it into the fairway. Chick proceeds to plink, plink, plink up the hill very cautiously while Hatcher is rallying after hitting two out of bounds or two lost. It comes down to a short putt for Chick to win the hole, and Chick gacks it. And I hear Hatcher, not in a mean way, but just because he appreciates how stupid and absurd (laughs) the game of golf is, Hatcher lets out this cackle that echoes into this canyon between the 15th green and the 16th tee, and I'm over there watching it and I know how hot chick can run on the golf course like we all can and I'm thinking oh my god Hatcher is about to have a putter buried in his forehead and I'm gonna have a guy die on my trip they made nine they have the nine and Hatcher was like ah, <laughs> you missed at
2: <it." laughs> <laughs> oh, those yo yep.
1: So, so anyway, you know, God bless golf. Golf is a wonderful game. It's maddening. It's crazy. It's fun. But there you go.
2: I thought, I know it's been a while, but I haven't gotten to talk to you on here. But just briefly, the, what another, I mean, it's just another great trip. And, you know, growing up in Indiana, as I always reference, I thought Indiana people were the nicest people that I had ever met. I think Wisconsin folks might have a medged out or at they're, least a tie.
1: They're good, man. The Wisconsin Mafia is good. We got four guys. Uh, My boy, Big Mikey, brought three of his goons from their public league courses. A couple of them belonged to clubs, and they were were the easiest fit, you know? Never once said one word of complaint about anything. We're never late. We're quick to their wallet to pay for something and got along so well.
2: Perfectly. Just really solid people. And, you know, being a Midwesterner, I think that a lot of people out east or maybe out west think that we're just a little bit behind and we're maybe just not uh, as,
1: I'm not going to say smart, but up to date on
2: things. East coast
1: bias is real. Yeah. The notion of east coast elites in the Acela corridor is real. DC, Philly, although maybe mm -hmm. not Philly, savages, DC, Mm -hmm. New York, Boston. I mean, that's all real. You know, the, the East Coast elite is real. I'm not saying there's not good people in the East Coast, but the East Coast vibrates at a different frequency than the Midwest. It just does. It
2: does. And, but these guys just, I'll put them up against anybody in any kind of discussion about politics, about life, about relationships. The story about the one gentleman, that which I know we won't go into Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with smarts or this, but the story, how you introduced him, the best thing about the trip for me, besides meeting all the guys is when you have the microphone the first night and you introduce everybody and the story about our boy, (laughs) uh, I believe Billy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Who you won the championship with. I I told the story. He basically left his bride, not quite at the altar, but he, he definitely, he pulled the plug on getting married to this one woman after they had already sent the invites out, which I like. And it's like, it's like a Costanza situation, you know, when his, when his fiance died licking the envelopes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he takes it in stride, but it turns out it was the best thing because, and it was actually his mother, his mother came into his one friend, Daryl's workplace and said, I gotta talk to you know. We gotta talk to. Yeah, your, we gotta do. We gotta take we, care of this. Like we got, got right, to, right. Went to talk yeah. to Daryl and said we gotta, we gotta take care of this. My son's about to marry the wrong woman. Yep. And, and it, now he it, is happily married to the right married.
2: woman. That's right.
1: And That's uh, right. and let me tell you, Ronnie. You know, he was the worst player, the highest handicap in the group, and you drew him as your partner uh, on the Sunday Calcutta just because of the way it, it shook out. And yep. you, you coached him to a victory, which I knew there was a good chance you would. You got out of him three or four holes where he contributed. Five holes. Five holes. Five holes, yep. And he was so ecstatic for that. He was so happy. It was it Well, was and I stuff. think about, you know, I've won
2: golf tournaments before. He has not likely won anything on this scale where there is an actual trophy and a photo and recognition and a decent amount of money so i get more enjoyment out of that obviously seeing the the smile on his face and him going and putting it on facebook and him being yeah. able to receive accolades from people in his life who say wow you know that's really neat, and the remark and the comments were just incredible. Way to go, Billy! You could just hear how happy people were for him.
1: Do they know? So, and, and nobody knows this tournament is just a knucklehead yeah, golf. I know it is. That I my trophy, I glued a pyramid of golf balls together and yeah. put a Southwest Airlines plane <laughs> on top of it.
2: I will say, Steve, you know, my past trips, my golf trips, the Ronnie 1.0, as we've discussed, you know, I. I I was always so tired at the end of the trip and I just would be up all night and goofing around and golf was just something that you had to wake up and do. And you felt like shit when you had to wake up and do it. But it's so, it's so, uh, it reinforces my sobriety and stuff because if I, now when I go on a golf trip and you've never been one to get after it on golf trips either, you've got too many responsibilities and you also want to play good golf, but to wake up and play really solid golf for four or five days in a row, starting off with my round at number two, <clears throat> it just feels really good. It feels really fucking good to show up for life, okay. to go on a golf trip, to, you know, to pay a thousand dollars or whatever. It's ridiculous how inexpensive it is. But to to play well and to win money and to go home and not be exhausted, it
1: just really reaffirms my, you know, my lifestyle. The power. Of sobriety and yes, even, even, even those who may not, yes. you know, technically be, you know, uh, uh, an alcoholic, but maybe drink too much or overextend themselves can say, you know what? I need to think about that myself. Cause we all like to have a good time. We like to have be the life of the party if possible. But you know, the bill comes due in the morning and the older you get, the higher the bill is, the more right. tax well, on that bill mm-hmm. there is.
2: Well, that's right. And you feel really good playing, or I mean, I'm, while you're partying, it feels great. You know, you're staying up, you're bullshitting, it's 1 30, it's 2 o'clock, and you're thinking, right. all right, I'll get a few hours sleep. And then when you're out on the golf course, you got nowhere to run and hide. Right. You got nowhere to go. You feel like shit, and you got to try and play golf, and you play like shit, and you get mad at yourself. I've been there, done it. You get down on yourself, and you think, what a fucking asshole I am.
1: Yeah. You know, And why Why do for, I spend yeah. so much time on this game? Yes. I hate yep. this game. Why do I spend so much time on this, this golf trip and money? Like, what am I doing here exactly? Um, so. I'm going to throw something out right now, which may be a – I don't know if I should do this, but, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I had an idea, Ron. Yes. And it goes something like this. Okay. Potomac Cup original formula. You know what that is? That is a private Potomac Cup where you and I as captains invite people who fit our profile of golfer, and we take it back to Rocky Gap, we pay money, and we get shirts, and we play for the for the trophy. In fall, later in the fall, maybe in October, when it starts to turn to touch nippy. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I love
2: it. Well, it's an invitational, in other words. It is. I love invitationals. I think it's a great idea. Would you be
1: interested in that?
2: Of course I would. Anything that you are touching, anything that has your
1: fingerprints on it, I'm down with it. Because the first Potomac Cup was invite only. And then I started building a qualifier element into it as a radio promotion. And that was good for a long time. But, you know, it takes a lot of work and effort to get a qualifier site and to recruit the golfers and to kick up the money then that pays for the uniforms. If we just get 12 guys in Maryland, 12 in Virginia that are willing to pay the group rate to go up there and we buy the shirts, it's the same damn thing. It's a competition yes, it with shirts and it's the Ryder Cup. And we can do it then later in the fall when it's, I think, the appropriate time.
2: Yes, and you don't have to worry about the extras. You don't have to worry about the qualifiers and all that extra bullshit that puts that stress on you. Or the assholes People, that qualify. Well, we've had <laughs> very, very few. few of them. Hey, yeah. it's been, well, it mean, depends. On... The worst was the guys up at Nemecol and feeding the tigers and the shit over the McDonald's, fence. Throwing, yeah, yeah <laughs> throwing McDonald's cheeseburgers that's, over that's the fence when that. signs on every. Ten feet of the fence Don't feed, that said, the wild Do not feed the wild animals. Don't so feed the wild animals. And we got our boys throwing cheeseburgers yeah, over there.
0: Anyway,
1: the you know what? all life experience. I, let's let's I, move into your topics du jour. You want to start with the Indy five hundred?
2: Yeah, it's scheduled for August twenty-third. Uh yesterday Roger Penske came out and said the Indy five hundred will not be run without fans. I support him. Uh, I agree with that. Everybody really agrees with that. The, just like the Ryder Cup is not the Ryder Cup without fans. The Indy 500 is nothing is, without the
1: fans. Is Indiana perhaps uh are they are they still pretty strict are, have they not given the green light? I mean, DeWine the governor of Ohio is letting the memorial have 8,000 fans. Is Indiana stricter? No, not really. So why no, do they feel moving, like they to come along. out? Why do you feel well, like you have to come out and say this? Well, I mean, come on, Steve. Is it's it a, a shot, sporting event? Is Indeed. it a shot across the bow to the state to say, "Hey, if you want this economic boost, don't start fucking with well,
2: that, us." That's exactly what it is, Good. of course. But yeah, I mean, and Penske, you know, Roger Penske is a multi-billionaire. People do not realize, I don't believe, how much money he has and just how incredibly. Uh, intelligent his business acumen is he's just a, a very intelligent guy and everything he does is calculated the changes he's made at the speedway my friends that are uh, work there or you know family that's involved they said the place looks completely revamped it looks new it was very tired it was built in 1911 as we know but he's made a lot of great changes now it's important to point out that the indianapolis 500 has been canceled six times in, in its history, the 105th running, I think, is this year, 104, yeah, 104th or 5th. Uh, 1917, with the breakout of World War One or the outbreak of World War One in 1918, they did not have the Indy 500 resumed in 1919. Also, the Indy 500 did not occur in 1942, 43, 44, or 45. So that's why the first race was in 1911, but the 100th race was not run until 2016. Um, the and, race will, it's going to happen. There will be people there and it's okay. going to happen. It's too big. Good, it is good. It's too big, Steve, for I, the city. Right. Well, Hotel rooms, food,
1: everything. Right. So I just didn't know what to make of this preemptive shot across the bow. Like they're not really saying, Hey, I don't know, Roger, if we can have any fans, it's fucking late August for God's sakes. You know, we had My tr-
2: My turn to ask you something. The Ryder Cup. You've been. You say it can occur with half the number of fans. You say it'll be better with half the number of fans. Tell us why. Tell me why.
1: And tell you right now, you you wouldn't know the difference on TV. Here's why, because only so many fans fit around the four holes that have action at one time. Okay. Because except for singles, there's only four holes that have fans. Around them because that's yeah. that's the length of the train of players that moves through the course, right? Right. And so, therefore, if you went half of that, like there are half the fans at a Ryder Cup that are waiting four holes ahead for the You're train. Kidding me?
2: That much?
1: I am not. I wish I were kidding wow. you, but no. They sell the shit out of it. It makes a ton of money for both the PGA of America and the European PGA, and that's why they depend on it. But they sell 40 to 50 to maybe 60. It's insane. Oh they say, yeah. they'll, sell, they'll sell more tickets than a major, and they'll get the highest price of just about anything. And I'm not against any of that, yay, capitalism, but it's a tough commitment if you're going to go there as a fan.
2: You know, I remember you said it wouldn't have been worth it if you did not have that special access on the first tee. I believe you were up somewhere where Well, at uh, Medina, weren't.
1: at Medina we had a, I, we had press credentials and so I was able to go up top to this catwalk which was like for photographers basically. <laughs> it was sort of like a balcony above the first tee and it was really high up above the grandstands. It was a spectacular view. And I mean, it was awesome to be up there, and I sat there and I watched all the first tee shots. But it would have been a lot different if I was twenty deep yeah. to the left yeah. of the tee box on my tiptoes. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. I I, uh, I hope they sit tight for a couple weeks. There were a mere six hundred and forty deaths on Monday. And the World Health Organization, I'll talk more about this later, just said, yeah, we don't think outdoor transmission really drives the coronavirus. Holy shit. Now you're saying this? So this is June the 8th. It is going to be largely gone by then. And if they flush the Ryder Cup because of these fears, it'll be a travesty. It can't happen. Don't do it. And don't say, we'll do it without fans. It's not the Ryder Cup. You want to go halfsies 50-50, I'll be disappointed. It'll still be decent. But let's not make any conclusions right now. And I'll leave it at that. So Indy 500 is going to happen. I'm excited for that. In August, it'll be hot in Indiana, but so what, right?
2: Yeah, it will be hot, but so what? And something along the same lines. I know we have a lot of auto racing fans who listen to this. And I know because we get emails and messages and a lot of people in the Midwest listen to this. Wisconsin's big Indy racing or auto racing as well as Indiana. And I am afraid of the damages that are being done to auto racing with all of this nascar already was very very bad in attendance and um these races they're running you know this they're just not exciting even with fans it even shows it's almost better without fans because you don't look in the stands and say holy shit no one is at this race and the same thing goes i have to be fair the peak. same thing goes for it same thing goes for indie racing, yeah, indie racing is down these gigantic stadiums they race in they raced at Texas, it was on n b c It got a really nice rating, of course, because it was the only thing on, but I can just picture people turning on the race, watching them go around in a circle, which to me, it's not just going around in circles. But uh, the race was not nearly the excitement that Texas usually provides because they put a sealant up on the top of the racetrack for NASCAR to try and increase the uh, passing and the excitement oh. for NASCAR. Well, guess what? The sealant didn't work for the Indy cars. They were very, it was very slippery. So they had to run a single groove. It wasn't the best show. It was kind of one of those deals where it was exciting that it was, it was a neat thing that it was going to be on TV, national TV. People are watching and they're thinking, Well shit, this is follow the leader.
1: So it was one of those is just it's, So wait, there no. was an indie race this past weekend? I didn't even notice that.
2: There was an indie race on Saturday night on NBC. It started at eight o'clock. At Texas Motor Speedway. At Texas Motor Speedway. Usually no. the most exciting race of the year next to Indianapolis.
1: Okay. This is, I, I thought they once raced open wheels there and it was a nightmare because they went too fast and they were flying out. They of the did.
2: Pack. Guys were getting killed and <laughs> yeah. hurt. So what,
1: what do they do? They dial down the speeds or what? Uh, no, they just, they just throw said, them in the
2: bull ring and let them go. Okay. But <laughs> fortunately, you know, this was the first race coming back besides this silly iRacing. racing. But these guys being out for so long, you know, your body has to get used to those consistent G forces, those constant G forces. Yep. So, right. in a sense, it was a relief uh, that, again, that it was a single groove racetrack because so put, everybody lived.
1: They put a little, <laughs> they put a little tackiness on the high line to try to for NASCAR.
2: Yeah, yeah to try and try make to it
1: induce back. more passing. That's interesting. Did
2: did not work for the Indy cars. So interesting.
1: Okay. Well, yep. we'll see. Um, when was NASCAR's peak 2000 thereabouts. Great question.
2: Yeah, before right before Dale died when Dale and Jeff were going at it and Tony was coming in and as Mark I recall and all Rusty and all of them were still running and it as was I,
1: monstrous. As I recall, there was a ton of stars including the big dogs Dale and and Gordon and it was the A-list of A-list corporate sponsors on every hood of Every car, every 40, 43 a list corporations, right? None oh, wow. of these, none of these things that you see now. You are like, what is Tencelnet? Net? Oh yeah, it's yes. a fiber optic company out of uh, India. Oh, that's yep. great. I am glad they got the money. But what happened C- to the M and M's car? Yeah, what happened yes. to you know Budweiser? What happened? STP, to... S T P. All of them, right? Exactly. Yep. What happened to her? You, you, you had five
2: different race cars that had beer on them. You had Surely Marlin would run. Uh, Someone had the Coors Light car. Then you had Rusty Wallace in the Miller High Life car. Then you'd have Mark Martin running the one of the light cars, and then you'd have the Budweiser. It was one after another. Um,
1: I'm looking uh, at I'm looking at the uh, Daytona starting grid for 2000. See if I can find the uh, sponsors. Daytona 500 Wikipedia. Wikipedia will never let me down, right? They'll no. Have the, well, they don't have the sponsors on it. They got the the makes. And they got the uh, whatever. I'll find it. Anyway, well, uh, from racing, you wanted to make a point about the damaging effects that no sports is having on various levels of society. Junior, high school sports, college sports, professional sports. What's your big takeaway?
2: My take is, is that it is damaging society. Sports are too big, uh, too important part of our society and our everyday lives and i'm not talking about just turning on the television and watching the nba finals or the nhl you know stanley cup finals i'm talking about taking your kids to their sporting events and watching your child play literally baseball or lacrosse or and being there with your friends and your family uh, you know your grandparents coming to watch and just the the incredible sense of community you get from sports And I think there's a really, really under uh, serious damage being done, you know, underlying damage to our psyche.
1: That's a Um, great point. It's the gathering and it's the commingling of generations. And it's watching
2: your children. It's watching your children compete and grow and evolve as human beings and maybe get that hit that changes their life. That kid who never gets that hit. Who just bats number eight or nine every time he's up and oh shit, here's an out. We got men on second and third. We got someone on second and third. It'd be neat if he got a hit. And guess what? He hits a little blooper over the shortstop and it scores two runs and the smile on that child's face. Parents the smile on the parents' face and the grandparents and the joy.
1: I mean, god damn it, this is so wrong, Steve. I know. And parents, you know, would often bitch about Oh, I got four games at the I Soccer Plex. Well, anything. here's the thing, you know, back when we took everything for granted, I got four games today at the Soccer Plex, starting at 7 a.m. We're there all day, mm-hmm. and it's going to drive an hour each way, and now wouldn't you kill for it?
2: Yes, lacrosse tournaments out here, lacrosse, the all-day lacrosse tournaments where you bring your pop-up tent and your fold-out chairs and your cooler, and you think. God, I get a. I used to think, you know, I got to sit here and watch bad officiating and deal with parents <laughs> that are a pain in the ass, and that one kid who's a cocky little fuck. And but and the what worst, they would give to do that now.
1: The worst part of it is nobody knows how to stand up and start again. They're oh, all man. afraid, and yeah. it's like shutting down was really easy. Getting up is proving to be this nightmare. These organizations are so afraid. Oh, my God. Because things will only happen at the fastest pace of the most paranoid Karen of a parent who's like, we got to have these protocols. And to put these protocols in, wear a mask six feet apart, can't do this, can't do that, it's bullshit. It can't be sustainable. And every day we go without sports is draining of the soul of society yes. yep. get up and march and start i did see where little leagues are going to start again little league baseball and i applaud that but what about the rest of the sports pools yes. are closed leagues have shut down it's and fucking june the 9th yes steve
2: and the thing that just it doesn't make what did, never made sense to me is the Early, early cancel. And with all of the with the WHO and the shit that they came out with today talking about the uh, asymptomatic, no transmission and Mm -hmm. all this new bullshit that we keep learning is exactly what you said from the beginning. There is no science. No one knows. Why are we jumping? Uh, the gun. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because everybody else is doing it. Where are the backbones? Yeah. Where are the leaders? Where are the people who would stand up? So anyway, you are on every day or at least five days a week. And I've admired you, Steve, because you really have held back a lot more than you want to. And I know that because you think that I need to stick a little bit to, you know, to the sports or the com- the conversation at hand. But as your list, as your one of your most loyal listeners and closest friends. Your your opinions and your takes are needed. We need to hear what you have to say because you're right on, oh, and you can say, "Well, Ron, I appreciate saying,
1: that." But I'm, it's but it's I'm true. saying it here. Other people are saying it. The thing is, it, on other platforms that I don't own, you know, other stages where I'm playing music for somebody who's paying me to play music on their stage, you got to play slightly different songs. I know. It is, I know. It is the most dangerous time in my 20-plus years of being a radio personality. It's crazy how dangerous it is. And that's unfortunate. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. But at least I have this outlet here. In which you I do, can and it's good. Well, I, I,
2: I know we only have a few minutes, but I also wanted to talk about, speaking of dangerous and this and that, the college athletics, the teams, the programs being cut by their schools.
1: It's devastating.
2: It, it well, it's 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 beyond reproach is what it is why how i, I mean i think there's so many it's like well, bullet points fiscal okay. mismanagement yeah. uh, you know all these different things that i can come up with but it's you could un- build, they build these goddamn brand new <laughs> huge engineering buildings and these labs and all these giant fucking things But, Jesus Christ, we can't keep the things that are for the students, the
1: students, the student-athlete. All right, let me call a timeout, Ron. You're probably not going to get a lot of people sympathizing you saying, why are we building these engineering labs? Why don't you go after the lazy rivers and the 10,000-square-foot weight rooms first? There's a lot of waste in athletic department budgets, which if they properly plan for a rainy day, they might not have to cut women's cross-country. As soon as there is a financial ripple, you know, Yukon where our friend John Ronas played golf is probably going to drop golf. And that's because they have a football program that is the butt of people's jokes and hasn't been relevant on the college landscape ever. And that sucks a huge amount of money. They're trying to play a sport they're not equipped to, and they're going to lose other sports and other athletic departments that haven't budgeted well are going to throw shit overboards. And this is before really, I mean, yes, they lost a lot of money from no college basketball tournament. But these colleges are losing money because they they make so much money in the summer. You know where they make their money, Ronnie? Uh, summer programs, summer conferences, all this stuff that runs all year long, and then foreign students. Foreign yeah. students pay full uh-huh. overpriced freight for a United States college, and well, they kill it. And right now, they can't take Fordham students because of the pandemic for next fall.
2: Yeah, and that goes back to what I was referring to about these. the what the University of Maryland keeps doing. They build a structure, and they think it's good enough for the time being, and then they have to go back and rebuild an entire department or building to entice, to compete, this and that. But I think that that's, I, I mean... That's this is me. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's obnoxious, and I think it's unnecessary.
1: Is, I really uh, do. Is Maryland golf going to be okay? I worry. I know. We don't know.
2: We don't know. It's, it's going to be good because program. of people like me and my other uh, my former, you know, my former teammates. Luckily, we have money, and we're going to make sure the program doesn't die. Good. That's
1: what we're going to do
2: if we have to? I love it.
1: It's so. Anything right. else, buddy? Don't get worked up. Life is good. I I just,
2: this shit doesn't make sense, Steve. No,
1: it doesn't. It it, it doesn't, but uh, here's the thing. I asked for a little bit of a pick me up from people. Yeah. uh, Avenues for Hope. Here's one from Derek Hill. He says, Listening to the Zabe cast on my way home from the dentist, and during the episode, you asked about how listeners are dealing with all the tumult in today's society. My dentist pipes country music into her waiting area. Now, I don't listen to much country music, I'm more of a classic rock guy. But I heard some lyrics that struck me as apropos for The Times. Quote, God is great, beer is good, and and people are are crazy. crazy. You you know it. Who is that? Of course. Billy Currington. (laughs) Billy Currington? I've never heard of Billy Currington. Oh, he's good. He's really good. God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. People are
2: crazy. You know, he's very good um there it is for you right well, there ronnie well and something i've and, and a positive for me is the amount of time i've been playing golf with my son and spending time with him it's wonderful but at the same time i hate that he didn't get to go to school so all right, buddy. Um, i want to unplug from social media but it's hard it really is
1: we'll talk next week ronnie thank you buddy. all right bud See ya. You go. oh god that's great he jumped the gun on that god is great beer is good and people are crazy That pretty much sums it up for me, says Derek. I shared this thought via text with a couple of buddies, and one of them responded that the live version lyrics should change to people are assholes. Gave me a good laugh. Anyway, love the shows. Keep on keeping on. World Health Organization. Asymptomatic COVID-19 carriers spreading viruses. Quote, very rare. Dr. Maria von Kirkhove head of WHO's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit, said it's very rare. And yet this was the bogeyman that dominated America. You could have it, and you could give it to Grandma and kill her! That's what it was. For three months, until suddenly the record changed. Record change to now defund the police. By the way, I don't mind the World Health Organization as they learn more and do more studies changing their tune. Maybe we didn't take their direction with the appropriate sort of restraint. But yeah, somebody said it's interesting that you know private financial companies commission their own studies on, okay, what is this coronavirus really? you know they, i think jp morgan put out a report they they hired some epidemiologists and they said just shoot it to us straight how bad is this thing and they came back and they're like no this thing is not that bad it's more like cory covid it's not you know uh some great kevin durant of viruses it's more like jeremy lin not like uh, kevin durant and i think that's why the stock market did what it did during all of this is it said, you know what, this is going to turn out to be overhyped, and when it does, things are going to turn. They're going to turn pretty quick. We'll see about that. I don't know, but that's at least kind of the way it looked. So defunding the police, this is now a thing. Apparently Joe Biden had to come out and say, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not into that. Um, couple things for you. Even with police over the weekend in Chicago, 92 shot, 27 dead. The most violent weekend in Chicago so far this year. Meanwhile, in a single day, um, let's see here. Single day, I believe they had 18 murders, which was the highest single day in 60 years in Chicago. Chicago. That's with police. Can you imagine without? Of course, those who would want this defund the police thing uh, were asked. uh, This is uh, Lisa Bender, who I think is on the Minneapolis City Council, being asked by Allison Camerata on CNN, so yeah, about this defunding the police. Get a load of this answer.
0: ...action against our police department... Which gives us legal mechanisms in the very short term you know there's lessons from all over the country all over the world that we're looking to yeah. um, to take immediate steps while we work toward building the systems that we would need to imagine that that future
1: do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous for instance what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into <laughs> who do i call yeah.
0: Yes, I mean, I I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors, and I know, and and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege, because for (laughs) those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality, where calling the police may mean more harm is done.
1: Wow. Wow. Just smoothly sidestepped it. Somebody tweeted, there should be a petition to defund the police that includes adding your phone number. And when people who signed that petition call 911 for police help, it simply forwards them to a recorded message reminding them that they agreed the police weren't necessary. All righty then. God is good, beer is great, and people are crazy. Pendulum theory. It'll come back to the middle. It has to come back to the middle. At least I think it has to come back. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for downloading. Keep your head up in the madness. You and I will live our lives fully without fear. And greater days are definitely ahead. Don't forget, we've changed to Red Circle. Please, if you are a subscriber, get on over there. Close out your account at Libsyn. It will close at the end of the month. I don't want to leave you outside in the cold. Cancel out and then join at Red Circle. And I do appreciate it. Get 12 months for the price of 11. Pay, pay all at once if you like, or month by month, 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 month. Doesn't matter to me. And best of all, get an RSS feed. You can send this podcast to wherever you want it with a few episodes. Quality content worth paying a price for. Fair price, small price, and I do appreciate it. Tell a couple friends if they like good podcasts, and we'll welcome them. The Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you
0: tomorrow. SheFit, we're so over beach bodies and getting bikini ready. You should be empowered to wear anything you want, except a bad sports bra. You deserve better. You deserve a bra with fit and support like no other. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually performs. Fully adjustable to fit your body with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at shefit.com slash 2022.